someone taught me how to have a music conference. I just made that up. Yeah. Or how to have a, make a CD when we were nine years old as a church. We recorded yeah. our first live CD. I didn't know what in the world I was doing, but I knew somebody who knew. And I would beat their door down and ask them questions. How do you do this? Will you come help me? Will you help me? Will you come play this? How much does this cost? Okay, would you take $50 a week until we can get that paid for? You know, just figuring out, digging, scratching, and calling. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Success leaves clues, okay? If people are doing it, they leave clues on how to do it, or you just go ask them how to do it. Okay, so maybe just a little bit about you guys. Like, how did you guys start in the music industry? You know, how, how did you guys enter into this music culture that you guys have really surrounded yourselves with? Uh, and when I ask a question, yeah. you can answer or you can answer. Okay. It's for both of you. Okay. Uh, you want me to start? Well, let me start and then you take it. Well, I don't, it, it's kind of a blended question because me as an individual, uh, my shaping through the years um, that story yeah. and how it coincides with um, evangelizing yeah. and then so I, home missions work yeah. and then we get into vision casting and culture building inside yeah. the church so I don't know how far back you want to go. Okay. I we, traveled for, for uh, 10 years actually eight years as a full-time evangelist. Okay. I was licensed received my license with UPC here in California oh, okay. and she was my high school sweetheart. She was 12 years old when I was a senior. So wait, you were, are you originally from Texas? No, no, but oh, I, were... I was, I'm from Texas. I'm from Houston. Okay, okay. Our families know each other, go back 80, 90 years. Wow. Our grandmothers are best friends. Um, okay. But I didn't meet her until I was 18 or 17. And I told my best friend, one day I'm going to marry that girl. She was 12. She's a man of his wife. And so. <laughs> wait, she was 12, you were? A 17. Okay. Yeah, I was a senior in high school. Home. Yes. <laughs> so uh, and tomorrow's our twenty third wedding anniversary. Yes. Which congratulations! Thank That's you. Awesome. Thank you. So anyway, I, I came back to Texas and uh, we had been out quite a few times through the years. And and uh, when I I went back to Texas and was flying out preaching revivals around the country, yeah. I started dating her, um, and I was basing out of Houston again. So. And I was at Brother, we were at Brother Kilgore's school, and I was at James Kilgore's church. Yes. And so I came up in a church with a strong worship culture, good music and good worship experience, because they're not always um, together. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get one, you don't get the other. That's um, true. And, and Brother Kilgore, and he was his pastor as well um, at that season, towards the end, but he always cultivated an atmosphere of worship that was heavily carried by the music, but not totally dependent upon it. Mm -hmm. And so, and then I went to a Christian school and Lyndall Anderson, who's the Dean of Music at IBC now mm -hmm. for many years, mm -hmm. he was my junior high music teacher and high school music teacher. And uh, so he taught us choir and he entered me to sing at these ACE competitions, like without my permission, like if you're gonna pass the class, you're singing yeah. a solo. And I'd be like, what? I was nervous and scared, yeah. if you can believe that. I was introverted. I still get nervous and scared, but I was more shy. Yeah. And so he entered me. So that kind of taught me skills and also a little bit about performance, which is, a, is part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I joined the praise team there for many years and they had a choir and we toured and um, I was in their youth choir for many years, adult choir praise team. So I was used to being in the music culture, mm -hmm. the music culture in church. And uh, so when we got married though, um, I was a high school algebra teacher 
and we were traveling and then I was the only person all of a sudden singing yeah. and it wasn't a big live tabernacle setting it was yeah. any all kinds of churches and I kind of started having a meltdown like we were engaged actually and I was like I can't do this I can't be a preacher's wife I can't yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. do it <laughs> and so he was giving me these pep talks about yeah. you tell me you're custom built for this you're born for this I was like I don't know yeah. and, and I forced her to record a CD forced by gunpoint it sounds so Almost. harsh Wait, by, by, no. yes. he was the one that okay. now I had recorded like on our church's youth choir album um, and sang with other artists I, I sang what in the world I was doing that age doing that but um, he knew we were going on the road we were we had a fifth wheel we are going to be full time we needed some extra income you know we got flower pins hair clips yeah, and yeah, yeah. CDs you know let's make some money right. so back then I mean stuff has evolved so much yeah. since the producing of music the production of music because back then it was soundtracks like you would lease the debt and um, so whatever I was singing as an evangelist when it was my turn before the preacher I would sing my soundtrack and those are the songs that I picked to go on my album I was like all the songs I'm singing I'm just gonna get tracks for those we're gonna record them and then we'll have something to sell that was the motivation but you kind of kickstarted and he really I was like no one's gonna buy this CD for me he's like yes they will do it and I was like okay so we did low budget just tracks you know and um, got a lot of creativity creativity required but we did it and we started people bought them I was shocked people are buying my music and was this original music or was this just the tracks just okay yeah and so that was album one and then we go Back to the same churches, yeah. he was kind of like on a circuit, yeah. and like they already bought my old CD, I better get a new one. So um, we would crank out another one. Yeah. So like the first three projects were really yeah. just part of like soundtracks. Soundtracks trying to build our yeah. covers, income, yeah. but I didn't realize I was building a listening audience, you know. And then mm. as things begin to progress, I got a little more confident. And thought, well, this time around, let's do the tracks, but let's include three originals. Just dip your toe in the water. Because okay. back then, people want to put a CD in. They want to hear a song they know. Uh-huh. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. as accepting of new music. It's all new music is almost off-putting. Right. Culture's changed since then. Yeah. It was kind of, we were working our way into it. And um, to have live musicians mm-hmm. and adding background singers. Just, right. I kind of just evolved. As I got experience, I felt more confident doing that. So mm-hmm. We recorded those in uh, Mississippi as well. David Hutt. Yeah, David Hutt. Producer, my producer for David and the Giants. So by the time we came to Katie, I already had three or four CDs. Four. And so I don't know if you want to say this part, but when we um, we were just at a church in David, a very small. We were a home missions church. Home we missions. started church. And we had gotten approved for home missions and at the church today. And first of all, we first one of our first buildings had what four pews. And like yeah. the restroom was right by the pulpit, and people looking at me, I was like, I made it for very awkward service. Yeah, it's kind of you know you don't have the full yeah. band, the priest, and the choir. And um, I was like, I, I can't do that. I'm not doing that, which sounds ridiculous, but I had no experience in that. Yeah, yeah. and um, I just decided I just started, and I don't know. The Lord helped me greatly, yeah. and but He got up one day in the church today and wrote out a vision about what he wanted to have. 11 pages long, a yellow uh, tablet, business size tablet. And it was, this was when we were was, running maybe 30 or 40 people in the church. insanity. People looked at him and like, yeah, right. I, and I just started almost ever since I envisioned, I envisioned, uh, you know, a, a, 
a Sunday school department that not only provides ministry for the children, but also publishes material, its own material. And, and one of those things involved the music program. I envisioned a choir. We had no choir, I don't think, at the time. Or we it was did very... Lumber's Choir and 12 people we used a soundtrack. Yeah. But I, at, the, yeah. at the start at the home issues. Yes. Yes, yes. And so I envision a choir recording CDs. Uh, so we're going to record a CD one day. We're going to host our own music conference one day. Yes. We're going to meet all these outlandish things and with, people with like, 30 people <laughs> that okay. seemed out of just you know but we already saw it was beyond that yes and, and it was at at that time of course you, you funds are limited you can't really you we know, didn't have a parking lot but we were, yeah exactly we were walking on pallets to get into the church anytime it rained but um one of the things that was free is vision you can create a vision and and create excitement so anytime i felt like the message or the service or, you know, just the church, the the passion was sort of planing out. I, I would I, I would kept that tablet in the pulpit and I would pull it out and I would just start reading it and just sort of stir up the vision again with the church. It was something that worked for us at that time. But we kinda had a rule of just no dead church. Like yeah. we just stop and start over. Yeah. Like we're not gonna go home until we have a break. There's no notch on the belt kind of services. We will have a break. That was one of our core values that we no said. You know, one of the unfortunate things and I, I believe in our movement is people have gotten away from a uh, sorry, my leg is cramping over here. Okay. <laughs> well, what, we've gotten away from one of our greatest strengths and that is a move of the Holy Ghost. You know, and everything is is produced and perfect and we've got a schedule we have to get through. But the, but the truth is apostolics, Pentecostals, our greatest strength is when the Spirit of God begins to move and interrupt a service. And so we basically decided that every service we have, there will be at least one moment in that service. Even if we have to shut the schedule down and have everybody just start praying, we will have a break, what we call a breakthrough moment uh, in every service. And that's sort of evolved into the word kaboom, and we're going to have a kaboom moment. So is that like your guys' church, like a cultural yeah. thing? Yeah, it's a cultural thing. our schedule gets blown up, God mm -hmm. interrupts us, kaboom to us. That's sometimes kaboom church. Sometimes we're on our face, crying, sometimes we're shouting it out. You know, but it's just something that, you know, heaven touched earth here. You know, so and, uh, that's how it started. Sometimes music facilitates that moment, and sometimes we have to take the music out to get to that moment. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes it distracts from that moment. Mm -hmm. um, there's a spoof, a video I saw not too long ago. Sometimes people get so caught up in the music itself that they forget what they're singing about. And you're just going, How great is this song? Sing with me. How great is this song? <laughs> like, you know, that happens. And sometimes you have to recognize, Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Let's. Let's well, you know, start over. by nature, we are creatures of habit. It's so easy to get into a rut. I started my ministry. She talked about her life before, but uh, before I was an evangelist, I started off just leading service. I couldn't get a place to preach to save my life. And I started leading worship service, leading singing. And I'm not the strong one as far as music. I play saxophone and halfway play a few other instruments. But um, uh, basically, I stay out of the way of our music program. <laughs> You're the organizer. Well, yeah. He's a huge supporter. Yeah, huge supporter, and I believe in it. But uh, if you don't like something, let me know. I will let them know. <laughs> I will let them know. But my, my point is that people, you can feel it. If you're sensitive to the Holy Ghost, you can feel it in the service. If people are just in a groove, in a rhythm, nobody's really getting that sincere breakthrough. And I think some of it has to do with the type of songs we sing, whether or not they're vertical songs, horizontal statement songs, declaration songs.
and there's all different types. And, and um, but I think breaking up the, uh, I guess the routine has got to be, I guess a, a, a constant. You you have to anytime that happens, you have to stop what they're doing. I've seen guys tell everybody on this side of the church get up and trade places with everybody on the other Just side of the church. Like Snap you out of the monotony. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. because it's so Autopilot. easy to get into that rut. Actually, it's called procedural memory. There's a neuroscience term for it. Like when you drive home and you don't know yeah, how you got there. I, I say that. I and call it, that the it happens in yeah. the church and in yes. the worship All experience. The you time. halfway through the church to the service, you realize that we're on autopilot. Yeah. yeah. You'll see it, and people don't recognize it as that, but have you ever been in a service? They call it going through the motions. Right. You ever seen where no one's really getting a breakthrough, and then suddenly all the music stops, and they go a cappella, and suddenly people are plugged yeah. into what's happening. Yeah. That's the reason yeah. that's you happening. Breakthrough into. But years ago, she was singing a song at a camp meeting uh, in Texas, and I, it's a great example of this. And it was a great song. Uh, and, uh, you know, she was singing it well, but suddenly her track stops in the middle of it. And, of course, yes. she is having a oh no moment, but she just kept singing. She sang it through the bridge, through the chorus, through the verse. I mean, she just finished it in front of, you know, you know 3,000 people at Texas camp. And it was the most memorable moment. We get reminded of that constantly. I remember that time your track stopped. That was powerful because it breaks the monotony. Yes, but you know, and I almost cringe just like just uh, seeing this. But like, what if you what if you hadn't continued? There's people that would have stopped mm -hmm. at a split second to make that decision. Yeah, and I believe it was pivotal and helping to shape me. All those experiences, you know, work together, obviously for good. Um, or they can shape you in a way that would maybe take you a different direction. But mm -hmm. at that moment, I was just like, something in me was like, I'm up here to sing a song, and I'm going to finish this song. Yeah. And I just carried on. The Lord gave me the strength and the wherewithal to do that. Right. And um, the really atmosphere. The atmosphere completely shifted. changed. Everybody was suddenly on their feet. The whole place went crazy. Man, it was a powerful move of the Holy Ghost in the service. But it illustrates that point that you cannot be a slave mm -hmm. to the systems or the music or the rhythm or the beat that well, worship is, is, is worship can be assisted with those things. Uh, and, but it's topic. deeper than that. I mean, I, I mean, literally, you know, this is what's, it's eating at you, the layers mm -hmm. of it. Cause you know, music is so important and powerful in worship, but all, and I want to go that direction, but I'm going to go back here real quick when you're talking about, being a slave to the music is the tracks that are now out and yeah. loops and playing the tracks. Okay, so I love that. It's so empowering to small churches and it mm -hmm. makes it sound big. It also makes people who don't have it feel intimidated. Like, why don't we sound like that? And then also, where are all those brass horns coming from? Right, yeah, <laughs> What's right. What's going yeah. on? I where did the ooze come from? Right, right. I, it was happening. Uh, but, and I was, as we waded into that, you know, trepidatiously um, a few years ago, just like any other church that's, you know, growing and hopefully changing with as technology comes you know you look and you adapt mm -hmm. but i was like we will use them as long as they enhance the worship experience but in the minute it takes away and i can't break away and i want to sing that course one more time you're going to stop that thing and yeah. we're going to go on because if i don't have the the liberty and flexibility to do that then to me we're in a box and we're in a program and we're no better than any other liturgical whatever mm -hmm. um um What's the ritualistic mm -hmm. church down yeah. the street? So that was kind of my deal going in. Nothing wrong with the box. 
Right. You got to have a box to get out of it. Yes. But, but get out of a plan. box. Well, I have yeah. set, it, set plans, set set list planned for a month in advance. Does that mean I can't think of their song yeah. at the last minute? No. Mm-hmm. But Churches can't glory in not having a plan. I still that's know. That's not a thing to brag about. People that are picking their songs Sunday morning. Right. Yeah. That's mind boggling yeah. to me. Yeah. You're not praying and fasting that much. But how did your, was your team praying and fasting and they were able to practice and give the Lord an excellent offering? Mm-hmm. No, it's just a place skillfully with a loud noise, right. you know, and cannot Kenaniah and and back in um, David's choir he was put over the vocalist and it says why why he was because he was very skilled at it mm-hmm. you know it is a skill-based ministry yes. you know I'm you know whatever out there she couldn't sing a tune but everybody was interceding for her <laughs> no, but she was so anointed and I do understand that element of it it's all beautiful and joyful noise into the Lord but as a ministry it, it is, and you owe the Lord a return on that investment to give Him your very best. Yeah. Does that mean we're not going to ever change it or go with the flow of the Spirit? That trumps everything. Right. But we should still be prepared yeah. to the best of our ability. That's yeah. our mindset. And I, I love where this is going, and, I, and I'm glad that we have kind of like the music ministry part and then the pastoral because it seems like there is there there can be. There's a balance that we that we have to kind of approach it with, kind of like what you said, with multi tracks and like all of this going on, and even just even if you didn't have multi tracks, well, we got to sing the song from beginning to end. Yeah. Yes, and, you know, does it have to be just like the recording? And... Exactly. But then also with that being sensitive to the spirit and saying like, okay, this is what the spirit is calling for. This is what we need to act upon. And... And and the musicians and the singers respond to that as mm-hmm. well. So can you guys talk a little bit about, I guess, the balance of a church of how to approach a balanced yeah. service. I guess. Yeah, I, I, I've got something on that because again, as a pastor, and I see I see this all the time. It's so easy to allow my personal taste and feelings to overshadow mm-hmm. all of the, I guess, the ministry of the church. And unfortunately, what it what the result of that is that the only people that get ministered to are people just like me. Mm-hmm. And there are times, and I'll admit it, that our youth choir in the past, in the past 20 years, has sung songs that I don't get. Yeah. I'm thinking, that's that's a dumb song. That's a lame song. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, I'm just enduring it. <laughs> and yet, and yet, as soon as they get done, the youth are laying out on the floor, speaking in tongues uh, for an hour prayer meeting. And so it taught me that variety is is I think is critical to connecting with your total audience mm-hmm. uh, or total congregation I don't like the word audience yeah. yeah everybody receives ministry a little bit differently but it should always be sincere mm-hmm. all ministry all worship should be sincere all worship should be heartfelt and it needs to be vocal at some point and 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 active uh, but how they receive the messages from the songs that's going to vary with you know, every generation is different. Every, you know, culture is different. When you speak of balance, do you mean like ministering to different demographics and age groups? Or are I guess you more, talking of like, about more of like, like we have a lots schedule. And lots of music, or? More like, like we have a schedule. This is scheduled for Sunday and then entering that service and still being, leaving room for the Spirit of God yeah, to okay. overthrow yeah. the agenda. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That is built into our culture and all the worship leaders that I, um, mentor and continuing to mentor, they know I want them to anytime I'm praying before service or thinking throughout the week, if a song pops into my mind, I will make a kind of mental note of it. You don't have to sing it, 
But if I'm seeing something from the set list, I always approach the pianist or the team and say, if this opens up, we need to have a plan, a flow to, like, what is, I need, what are all the keys, songs we sing in this key? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to be jumping around randomly. Right. Because that, that, that can a, be disruptive. It can quench the spirit yeah. and distract yeah. people. And even at the altar call, keep in the same key, the same tempo. Mm-hmm. We can slide all kind of lyrics in there, but we got to keep that same energy flowing just so we're the soundtrack to their breakthrough, right. you know, and whenever something happens and it snaps them out, we have such little intention spans as it is. We don't want to distract from that then. But um, the worship leaders, they need to know what key they're in and what songs they can go to. They need to have options at all times. So it's make a set list and then have off ramps, uh, flow songs, non flow twos. And, um, and so they know going in, they're not just gonna get trapped up there, stuck, wondering what yeah. is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they they know that it could change. And if we ever get to a point where that is not part of our culture, then I don't know. And if you're know. talking about culture too, I think it's important to also note that she's not the one making all of those decisions anymore. Mm-hmm. Now she's training other people, other praise teams. Yes. She if gives them the option of creating set lists. And I want you then to take liberty in the moment yeah. to encourage them tell them to stop the track and discern what's happening look at the people read the room have situational awareness like is this connecting and i also have to say that all your music and worship people are interested in music mostly are involved in your music department Mm -hmm. everyone else is not it took you all three weeks to learn that song you got to give these people a minute they're not your prime music people they just got off work they love jesus they're gonna play along but they don't know, you know, what the song, you have to teach it to them. So we've made it very comfortable to come out and say, hey, we're going to teach you guys a new song tonight. You're going to love it. You're going to be playing that seed. And you guys are doing great. Let me hear you say, yeah. Or if it's a fast song or this is a song from you to the Lord. Let's make it personal as you learn it. And then you just kind of teach it. We're seeing that verse again. This time, try to join in the best you can. And you have to give them that um, runway to kind of mm-hmm. feel comfortable. But after a few services, if they're still looking at you like you fell off along, then and, we have and at the same time, we have songs that we put in timeout because they're getting burnt out. Mm-hmm. So we oversing stuff. It's just yeah. like we got to put that thing. Freedom, sorry, Eddie, I'm not everybody. <laughs> but freedom is still in timeout because yeah. we we wore it out. Yeah. You know, there's a few songs. Um, I think about one recently that is on the verge of getting wore out. We're talking about it the other day, but that's the biggest one I can think of. Waymaker, almost like it's more of a moment song now. Yeah. Uh, an altar, or if it just feels right, but I'm not going to put it on the set right. list because it's just been oversaturated. Yeah, I like yeah. when Break Every Chain came out. Yes, I just wanted to. That was the song yeah, for every altar call. Like, yeah. every like, altar was there? What would we do before this song was written? <laughs> right. I don't even know. Yeah. And so, uh, learning when a song is kind of worn out is welcome. And then you bring back some old, old oh, five oh, years ago, yes, ten years yeah. that are like. Then they feel almost nostalgic about yeah. this song that's not very old at all, yeah. but you gave it room to breathe yeah. and it didn't um, lose its efficacy. You know, you said, I kind of go, going to go back a little bit. When you said that when you started off, you were very introverted. So there's, I, I've known, I know a lot of people that have approached me and they're very introverted and they're fearful to kind of step out and to maybe start singing or to lead worship. Can you speak a little bit to that personality of well, maybe an encouraging, you know? It is a lot about personality. Yeah. Um, it's not really an excuse to not, but I learned to be comfortable in who I am and also my expectations of other people, what their best and most outlandish expression of worship 
may be dramatically different than mine um, based on who they are to begin with. But we all have an area beyond our comfort zone that we need to get comfortable in. Um, to me, the more you sing, the better you sing. Um, you don't get better without experience. You don't get experience without opportunity. So mm -hmm. if someone asks you, you say yes. Mm -hmm. And you watch other singers and you learn to just have a worship experience for yourself. So I tell my team every, almost every week, if you're responding to the audience, they're making nervous, they're making you mad, they're irritating you, they're leading you in worship. And if you can't lead yourself in worship, yeah. you're not much of a worship leader. Yeah. So you need to be able to take yourself. Nobody else gets a breakthrough after this song. At least I know me and Jesus yeah. had a moment. That's, That's so important. And so losing yourself in that moment and who it's for was the most liberating thing that I've ever done. If they think I'm stupid, I, actually, he preached a sermon about it. Um, it kind of resonated with me. But all the people who were really extravagant in their worship, that Jesus really like liked all the people criticized. Mm -hmm. And so it puts you in a good category. Yeah. If, if they can, if you look stupid, oh well. Yeah. You know, that's less of you. That's humbling to you. Yeah. And that's, um, it leads me to another point, but I feel like you know, every, every, <laughs> everyone <laughs> on the platform has got to feel comfortable getting a breakthrough on the platform. That's really, I think the key yeah. you have, if, you know, at least with all of our ministers yeah. that are leading yeah. service, yeah. all of our worship leaders that are leading yeah. service. Yes, you're singing. Yes, you have to remember your parts. You've got people talking in your ear, but at some point, you have to be willing to throw your hands up and right in front of everybody. Everyone's looking at you. You have got to be able to connect with God in a moment. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I teach this to our ministers as well. Learn how to get a breakthrough in front of people. Um, and, you know, it, it requires a bit of getting used to. I think the personality thing, we could go a whole different direction. You know, knowing the personalities of your team, we build teams based on personality types, the four disc profile types. Uh, but uh, when it when it comes to break, Not music teams, like planning teams, stuff like, like anybody, anybody, anybody of any letter could be on my team. But if there's conflict or communication issues, I can now yeah. be able to get to the root of it. And make Very it quickly, better. using yeah. the disc profile. Um, but as far as, as the breakthrough moments, I think it's it's gonna be more than just us doing it on the adult platform. If you don't create, if you're struggling with your adults on the platform, then shift your focus because these people are gonna die. They're gonna get out of music ministry because their voice gets weak or whatever eventually. Focus on your youth and, so and then focus on your preteen. And really, honestly, you talk about the culture of be okay part, we're 20 years in, yeah. and the kids we dedicated are now leading ours in their product of that culture that we've built. But all of that began in really preteen ministry, wow. 10, 11, and 12 years old. And it was clunky. It was awkward. They weren't that good, but we had a little service for them. And the song, these 10, 11-year-old kids were writing songs, and they were teach them to their buddies and they were getting up in front of others and singing these songs in the 10, 11 year old uh, worship service you know every Ocean single Deep? week. You've heard Ocean Deep? Yes. My daughter Savannah wrote that in preteen when she was 12. No way. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, and um, oh, so, my goodness. so uh, it really- She's the, 19 now and she's, oh, she's a writer, but yeah, she'd been writing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a long And we made time. it safe and comfortable to do that. That's, uh, for us, at least, it, I think that's been sort of the, the, the secret power, superpower, is is working with the younger kids and getting them actively engaged in ministry. And, you know, I know we're talking about music ministry a lot, but really any type of ministry, they have got to feel like 
I'm doing something for the church. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people may see all the music stuff because it's so public and it's published yeah. and it's out there. Mm -hmm. But if you were to be at POK for any length of time, you'd immediately see that we, you know, everybody in our church wants to get their towel. We have this, I preached a message years ago about uh, the supernatural power of the towel, basically the power of serving. And we've made serving all about uh, getting a job done in the church. We need help in Sunday school. We need help in youth. We need help in ushering. But it really, it's not about that. It's about what serving does for you. And, and you know, we give people too easy of a pass on serving. You know, if they're not praying, we're and they say, "Well, I'm just too busy to pray." We tell them, "You're you're just too busy. You need to pray." Or I'm too busy to come to church right now. Well, you're just too busy. You need to get a different job. Well, I'm just too busy to read my Bible. Well, you're just too busy. Get up early, whatever it takes. But when it comes to serving in a ministry, we give people a pass, and we say, "Oh, I understand. It's yeah, you know, just when you know, just tie the ten church, be faithful, and when you can get involved in the ministry team, then." Awesome, but the truth is, they will never be a disciple of Jesus Christ until they put a towel on their arm, and so that's sort of the culture. So not only do we have a lot of people involved in music ministry, but it's it's sort of the culture of the church. Even children are finding their towel. We celebrate that. We on Sunday we'll nights. Announce it. They'll come down like they're going to get Academy Awards. Yeah, <laughs> we give out these towels. It's a little blue hand towel. It says yeah. First the Kingdom. And and we, <laughs> I'll talk about to. you know. Um, you know, so-and-so is uh, this, the, or the next individual that I'm going to honor tonight has been working in children's uh, ministry. They've been serving in uh, the youth praise team. They've worked the coffee shop. They've been with us for about six years. Every time you meet them, you're going to have a smile on your face. And that person is, and then I announce the name, and everybody stands and applause. Oh and we, we, we hand out, I give them this towel. It, it's so cheap, but... But, but the benefits of it is transformative. For God, I, I tell my people, we're all worship leaders, and sometimes we lose music. Mm. How we live our lives, mm. how we serve others, how we conduct ourselves, our yeah. service, all of that is an offering, a reasonable service, be a living sacrifice. And that's what worship was in the Old right. Testament. It was an offering. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like you say, in nursery, Sunday school, honoring that, not just people on the platform. Actually, the word worship has nothing to do with music is used mm -hmm. to worship. Mm -hmm. But worship just means like to honor, to give uh, respect, and mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to involve music. Music facilitates worship, right. but it's not totally uh, defined yeah, by it. Right. That's so, good. Um, yeah. And we've kind of we've transitioned over into kind of what I wanted to hit on next, which is songwriting. Mm -hmm. Because culturally, you guys have built on songwriting. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot there that we can go into, mm -hmm. but like, um, I guess, how do I even start it? Um, how did you guys build this like songwriting culture? Like, um, where does that come from? It's, uh, I think a lot of it comes, like he was saying, encouraging the young. It always has to be a first yeah. time to take a chance, to believe in somebody to write a song. It's a very vulnerable thing to share mm -hmm. your song with someone. Whatever you celebrate, you're going to duplicate. Exactly. So don't let them just write do it. Down. Celebrate it. Make it a big deal. Hang it's, it from the ceiling. It's called uh, positive reinforcement. Yeah. Whatever you want more of, you reward that behavior instead of, like if all the people that are late, every time you nag on for being late, you think you're fixing it, you're not. You brought on people who are on time and you get more people on time. Yeah. You know, you reward creativity and, and vulnerability and sharing your song and other people will feel safe to do that too. Um, yeah. So 
finding, when we did Star Design Music Conference um, in 2013, actually I'd gone to another music conference, one that will not be named, North, South, West, East of Earth. And it was an excellent music conference, fantastic. We were little bitty, and I went home, I wanted to, not really, but jump off the bridge. It's like, this is impossible. Yeah. It just seemed, I felt so overwhelmed and intimidated. Yeah. Um, I felt like, like nothing, like I can't, I see the song, but from here to there, I don't have the technology and whatever. Yeah. And I wanted to, and even in a class, I was like, what's a loop, you know? Yeah. And I felt stupid. They weren't trying to make me feel stupid. It was probably in my head. But I wanted to create a place where people uh, like me at the time could ask any question whatsoever, not feel um, intimidated, to feel safe. You can ask anything. We're all in this together. How can I help you? Or how can I learn from you? You know, and to create that environment. And so we started having Zion. That was a side trail. But we had a songwriting contest because um, we went to encourage because I know everybody's out there secretly writing songs, no one's asking them for them, yes. you know. And so I was amazed. People kept submitting, no, they weren't all great. But that was just, I, re, I applauded them for taking that step of they're putting it out there. And yeah. even when they're a little raw, you know, when you see a finished, produced product, that first voice memo did not sound like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, it's just a little baby. And then yeah. we talk about growing the baby, it's maturing, we're dressing yeah. it and, yes. and growing it. Uh, but it has to start somewhere. So what did you do with the song if you didn't finish that song? Okay, so we did all the songs and we would listen to them and then we would um, develop them. We would pick a winner and that person got to come for free and we would make a lead sheet for them. We create a demo and we would sing it at Zion. So their songs never would see the light of day, would um, be sung at a music conference and sit home with 200 churches to be um, distributed and get exposure. Actually, one of my friends won. I forgot the contest. It was a 14 or 15. Kayla Rose, she wrote one down. Yes, perfect example. Yeah. That song has got, and it was already a great song. That yeah. was one that came to us pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. We but it didn't have the problems. exposure or the platform maybe mm-hmm. that it would have had, and to boost her confidence too. Yeah. And um, But we were the only ones that had recorded it to make right. it yes. available. So, um, that and, and doctrinally sound mm-hmm. songs are very important. We will sit in a praise and practice and debate a lyric. It's so annoying, but I will not see a song I cannot get behind that, that's remotely confusing. Um, because in the early days, whenever the oneness movement um, became independent, they they started having to sing their own songs and they wrote songs like um, Oh How I Love Him, you know, the Down from His Glory with mm-hmm. all the oneness lyrics and it's all in Him. Yeah. All of that was to teach doctrine. Because music is used to teach, even all the way back into um, the early centuries. Yeah. They, the people of differing doc- doctrines, the minstrels would go around singing. The person with the better song would get more people on their side. Yeah. Because music is so powerful yeah. and it's yeah. um, persuasive. All the way back to the 15th century. And so, in our age of where everything, I say everything needs to be either confirming or con- uh, either it's either confirming or confusing what we believe. Yeah. How you dress, how you talk, the songs you sing, either confirming what we believe or it's confusing it. Mm. And so our job is to not confuse, but mm-hmm. to confirm. So anything yeah. sounds kind of off, or just doesn't make sense. Like, I just can't get behind that. Um, I won't give any examples right now. But so the songwriting, um, a part of that was I I wanted to introduce songs that uh, reflected our doctrine, mm-hmm. and then um, once our church and people saw that there was a place for their music, then they began to be more comfortable sharing it. Yeah. And a lot of our songs recently have been birthed out of the altar call experience. Mm. They, if you can start with a tag, 
Like we're just flowing and we're just singing. Yes. How great is our God? Da, 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 da. How great is our God? He's greater than the problems. He's greater. They're playing yes, the same exactly. chords, and then you know, then you just take that little piece out, and then you you build on that. But it's birthed out of a worship moment, out of a familiar sound, uh, simple changes. You know, we're not writing, you know, Beethoven's Fifth or anything. Sometimes it becomes that after a while. Like, hey, can we just sing something yeah. simple? Um, but I think the songwriting contest and culture helped, and then performing and perfecting those and songs, then the pre -teen and stuff. then the preteen stuff. And um, we've had songwriting groups that uh, I just started meeting recently, where not any one person is even going to get credit for the song. It's just going to be the church. It's a group church. It's, yeah. it's our collective thought for this moment for this theme. This sometimes a church will be in a certain season and. We want to write right, a song that right. feels right in this moment, or for our culture of our church. You know, mm -hmm. not the same. Some song, be, everybody be singing it. I'll try it, like, or I just like I ain't singing that. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. And sometimes I feel pressure to sing what everybody else is singing. But, um, <laughs> I but, think every church has songwriters in it. Every church, yeah. they're there. Say one more thing. I'm sorry. I always I want. Just got to pull them out though. Because there was a day when the Pentecostal movement led in songwriting and production, and it's been a while, but everybody else just sing our songs. And I yeah. thought, why not? Yes. Why not again? Yeah. We have the talent. It's unquestioned yeah. the level of talent and anointing. Like you said, yeah. there's songwriters out there that yet to be discovered. I was talking to someone last night about Andre Crouch and how he wrote when he was 12, um, The Blood Never Loses Power. Yeah. His sister dug it out of the trash can. Oh, I did not know that. She threw it away. She dug it out. She said, what is this? He played it for you. He said, that's stupid. It's not good. She said, no, this is good. Oh, yeah. She's not famous. I felt the Lord, but she mm -hmm. believed in him and encouraged him to use his gift and that it was good enough and to give it a try. Yeah. And I think that's what we have to do, not just the songwriters, but the other people to make it safe yeah. and to believe in him and say, that is good. I like that. Or, and also be humble enough to say, where can I do better? You know, help me make this the best it can be. It's, it's touchy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how do you, for someone, let's say someone's listening and they're saying like, I have a passion to write songs. Right? Maybe written a few poems that I feel like could be songs or whatever. But maybe they don't have the the mentor. They don't have the the, the production or just somebody that could dress it up or like it, you know. And and uh, that question is easier to answer now than it ever has been before because because there's so much. Everybody got a basement studio somewhere or right. one in their pocket. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. Uh, like hell yeah. But yeah. um. Used to not be that way, man. I just lost my thought. Would you just love this question too? But like, how do you encourage someone who's perhaps okay. wanted to be a song? Now I will say, not every song is for everybody. Some yeah. songs are just Lord, to give me a song. It's for me and Jesus. That's my prayer time song. It's my yeah. devotion song. It's not meant for the world, you know. And some songs they might be, and some people. Um, people lie to them and tell you know you've seen well and you can sing but you say somebody's yeah. afraid to tell them the truth <laughs> some songs are just not good but for those who do truly believe they have a gift no one taught me how to have a music conference I just made that up yeah. or how to have a, make a CD when we were nine years old as a church we recorded yeah. our first live CD I didn't know what in the world I was doing but I knew somebody who knew and I would beat their door down and ask them questions how do you do this will you come help me will you help me will you come play this how much does this cost okay would you take $50 a week until we can get that paid for. You know, yeah. just figuring yeah. out, digging, scratching, and crawling. Ask questions. Don't be afraid Find to ask questions. Are, success leaves clues, okay? Mm -hmm. If people are doing it, they leave clues on how to do it, or you just go ask them how to do it. But these days, 
Um, I say, get a quality voice memo set to a metronome, set to a metronome. Yes, <laughs> very important. Or a loop, okay? You, the apps are, app, if you don't know, you don't know yet because you haven't asked somebody. Um, get, a quality, get a loop and a quality voice memo. If you need a piano or guitar reference, great. If not, um, a nice clean vocal. Um, and find somebody who can listen to it and, and pay the money to make you a demo. They can do it all in the box, meaning all digital, yeah. digital drums, yeah. guitar, whatever, for cheap. Find, you know, right now we're working with Kurt uh, Kenhai and Little Rock. He's doing mm -hmm. my middle daughter's single. And um, he can make, you just give him a certain amount of money. I think I say the amount because he may be giving me a discount. <laughs> he may be charging me extra. Um, that he'll give him a quote, you know, give me a yeah. hundred bucks, hundred fifty. It's not like a crazy amount. You have a hundred dollars to invest. If you're not willing to invest, then, you know, you're not ready. I would add to that. There's some basic things in songwriting and that are important. One, pay attention to the voice. Don't change voices. You know, if you're singing to God, then don't make oh, a declaration. Then personhood. Yeah. It's actually quite prevalent. It used to be a rule, but now people doing everything like, I love you, we love God, we love you, Jesus. You know, like it's, I'm singing to him, and then I'm singing like to God. the perspective, what, yeah. which, which, no, yeah. the which person yeah. are we? Yeah. The audience, that's so right. some basic core things, and I think, uh, you know, another thing I would say is don't make it too, you know, too complex. I got a good one. So it can't be All too complex. It's, it's amazing what songwriters can sing, but you can damage the message by the messenger being not quality. So if you have someone that can sing better mm -hmm. than you or, or give it the voice that song deserves, yes, yeah. um, get them to sing your demo for you. Because a lot of people dismiss the song if the presentation is right. weak. Yeah. Now, somebody can see beyond that, a creative mind. That's a beautiful thing, but not everybody has that gift yeah. to yeah. see beyond right now. They, you know, it's like the rehab people. They see those yeah. houses you flip, they can see what it's going to be. Other right. people are like, you bought what? And I think in those early stages of songwriting, like you said, it's so raw and it's so vulnerable. And obviously, like even somebody who can sing, like you're singing and you're like, does this even sound good? And you're like, uh, maybe in your head, like because sometimes I've dabbled in it. In my head, I'm like, I can hear everything in all. Right. Like, I can hear the choir. But it's hard to say that. Right, yeah. So when you're there, like, bling, bling, trying to sing it, it's like, I don't know. And, like, and you, know? you have to learn to release that song because mm -hmm. the person that is producing it is not going to hear it like you hear it. Right. It's very hard. Yeah. So you need to have that conversation up front. Yeah. I'm very, um, you know, strongly feel about this arrangement, right. these chords progressions, this tempo, and come to that agreement. It gets to be turned over, but it comes back. You don't recognize it. The worst I know. Yeah, a lot of hours I've been thinking. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. harsh. Um, but sometimes but, the producer has a better vision yeah. for it. Maybe they can make the song better. Yeah. You know, yeah. doesn't mean they've ruined it. But sometimes a lot of, of producers, though, too, are very gifted musicians. And, yeah. you know, they can be really driven by music. I want to put 15 layers of of music and it just becomes but so complex. Before you do any of that, ask one or two other people, does this sound like another song you know? Because you might be inspired by yeah. something you're subconscious yeah. picked up at oh, Dairy yeah. Queen. And, you'd be, all the time. and you're like, that's the same song, different literally right. copied the song. Yeah. Or just like enough of it to where like you're almost singing that song. Yeah. And it's okay to have a familiar, you know, compatible yeah. um, theme. But sometimes you think you've written a song and you just <laughs> I would you add, rearrange the lyrics I to know, another song. I would add to that when you do this, you be careful about putting stuff out on social media too early soon. on too soon yeah. because there will be copycats and you're going to have people. It'll take just enough. We've, we've had that happen, yeah. recording songs and and 
changing it out, whatever. But um, I, I would just say, you know, it doesn't take long. There, there's an example. I won't tell who it was, but it's an example. One night I was flipping through online surfing and watch, watching videos and heard someone sing and was just blown away by their voice and this amazing song yeah. that they were singing. I think, and it almost sounds like an old gospel type song. And then I clicked on another, another great song. I'm thinking, are these old songs that I've never heard of? I mean, just some, yeah. and then he clicked on another, another great song, just old Pentecostal camp meeting yeah. style. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to give too much away. And so, uh, as I as I'm listening to all these, I, I, I texted her. I said, this this guy is unreal. Where did these songs come from? I mean, his voice is amazing. Songs were incredible, and um, then I realized that there was another person that was writing all these songs it wasn't as gifted as her vocalist and while her videos were going out almost as a joke his were going out and incredible song. Just same yeah. song Different delivery and 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 of course everybody was saying this is you gotta watch this hilarious video and it was the same song that this he guy was, was singing and, and blown away by and I, I could give you some examples, but I don't want to yeah. slide anybody. But it, I'm just saying, having bringing somebody really skilled on yeah. board will bring life to anything. Sure. And uh, yeah. even if you have part of a song, don't be afraid to have some And if you have a, a team that's willing to sing through song in church, mm -hmm. the first run, we'll do a song, just a dry run. We're, just gonna, we're launching the little, the, yeah. the little uh, arc of, you know, yeah. down to yeah, the water. Yeah. This is my baby, yo. And... Um, Sometimes it's going to tip over. Sometimes it's going to sail beautifully. Sometimes yeah. it's going to take on water. Yeah. You realize, okay, that didn't really fly, but but how it felt was if we would flip this bridge or we mm -hmm. would, you know, cut that vamp out or whatever. Yeah. After you try it on in a real life setting, yeah. and then begin to edit it. But getting to that stage is yeah, it's that's tough. light yeah. years from your closet and a notebook. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, don't yeah, know. I think especially when if if you're not musically inclined, yeah, it's I, I've. I've found that sometimes it's hard to portray it to the team or to the musicians because yeah. it's how do you how do I share with you what's in my mind? You right. know? Yeah. Um, so, a lot of most every producer will ask you for a reference. What does this song make you feel like? Even if the song's not spiritual, if it has the same energy, the same tempo, if they can hear a reference of the same type of song, the same energy, the same uh, changes. Then they can kind of get a peek into your head, rather than just cold turkey, because it's quite impossible. Because yeah. I'm in the same boat. I'm not a musician. I mean, I can tinker, um, but in my mind, I'm hearing mm -hmm. all this big stuff, and boom, 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 boom. it's like trying yeah. to explain to the automotive repair guy what your car sounds exactly. like. Exactly. And it's yeah. like Savannah when she's writing a song now, she's gaining confidence. Yeah. I want you to build it. Blah, 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 blah. No, cut, pop, pop. You know, it's just, yeah. this has never happened before. You're creating this out of nothing. Yeah. But she's trying to convey them what she's hearing in their head. They're learning, okay, that's what you mean. That's what you, that's what you feel. But you, it's something that has to be cultivated yeah. uh, in, individually. But yeah. it's Start the young. process. Start young is the key. And get over yourself. Yeah. You have to put yourself out there. I think Ego. that's huge. I think yeah. that's really big. I, I, I do think our, our insecurities can sometimes definitely get in the way of where God wanted that song to go. Through a way. Yeah, no, that, the that, blood that will never amazing. lose yeah. its power. Forward reaches. Yeah. yeah. In the garbage can. Yeah. How many songs are in the garbage can? That goes both ways. He had to 
keep going, but he mm -hmm. also needed somebody to encourage him. So somebody, someone may be watching that's not the writer, but they know someone who is that they could be a sounding board, a voice yes. of encouragement. Um, and, instead of making him feel stupid or blowing him off, that's, yeah. you know, pay attention, baby, there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. I would say to the encouragers, I, I'm, I, I again, I, I don't, I stay out of our musicians' way, uh, even though I know a little bit about music, but I, I kind of stay out of it. But the, if you are an encourager, um, and depending on your personality type, be very cautious about giving too much advice in the dry run. These people are tiptoeing into the water. Mm -hmm. They are scared to death. If you give them critique on their first flight, they'll never fly again. And so celebrate. They'll figure it out. It's they'll, really coming along. Yeah, I like that. And yeah. build them up. Celebrate the good. And, There's great uh, potential here. Whatever you celebrate, you'll duplicate. So celebrate the fact, if nothing else, celebrate the fact that they wrote a song. Period. And um, they shared it. Yeah, that's a that's big thing. Yeah. I'm telling you, this, oof. And we have, when our, my family's not the only people in our church who write songs. But some people give us just something very meager and we work with it. And people think they have to have the whole. Yeah, all the parts. All the parts work yeah. out. But that's part of the fun is get, get three or four together. singers and let's. Let's work on a vocal arrangement. Should be used in your part and you try it. Let's work out those only and have a little, you know, workshop where you put all the puzzle pieces together and, and help. It's a lot of fun if you get some collaboration. Yes. But again, if you don't get past vulnerability and sharing, you can't ever get to that point. Right. right. So. Yeah. So I know you guys have been in that arena of songwriting for, for a very long time, but as a, as a church and as, as the EPC, I feel like. As a UPC, I feel like we're kind of we're seeing a lot of more original songs coming. It's remarkable, which is amazing. It's a cultural it shift. Awesome. It yes. has not been this way yeah. for generations. If ever, even when we were writing our own music, it was a select few at the top. Mm -hmm. um, back, I'm talking Lady Wolf days. Yeah, Mark um, you had a few, and yeah. Mark on it had an awesome uh, season, contributed so much, but he was. An anomaly. I mean, he right. was one of a few, but to have all these albums coming out and all this apostolic music coming yeah. out, and people are used to it mm -hmm. at all the conferences I've been to lately. Um, you could almost put on an entire conference oh, yeah. and only use apostolic yeah. music. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, doing that, but staying grounded, like I keep saying, in doctrine and an experience. These are all highly produced, um, well done, well done yes. and they can become intimidating. Yeah. Pentecost was in the early days after Azusa Street, the spiritual churches. Um, they were the only ones that had music. People would bring their instruments. That's how you got people walking up to the platform with their, um, you know, guitars and accordions and stuff. And it was loud. And the doctrine didn't draw them. The music and the experience and the enthusiasm and the being spirit led and the just abandon and worship. That's what set us apart back then. And if we're not careful, we'll lose that. Um, I don't know what the word is for it, but I won't say flexibility, but um, that authenticity where it's not just a performance. Turn the lights down. Y'all look at us. We have a lot of observers, but not a lot of participation. Yeah. And so songs have to be, where are congregationals anymore? Where the whole church is singing. Yeah. Look around. Open, Open your, your eyes. eyes. Yeah. Look at their mouth. Yeah. Are they singing along? Is it just the one third front of is the church? Is it the mosh pit only? Because yeah. you've got, a whole group of your people that you need to yeah. bring to Jesus to you. Yeah. 
And so if those songs aren't hitting it, and apostolic writers are good, all that, but the apostolic experience trumps that. Yeah. You know, yeah. a blast apostolic song, but does it still allow for breakthrough? Does yeah. it still create an atmosphere yeah. of worship? Yeah, one of my favorite things, when I worship, one of my favorite things to do sometimes is, uh, is just to cut and just have a conversation. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. There is a shift that there happens is. when yeah. they get involved. And you just hear this unison choir. Mm-hmm. You know? Definitely. It's almost, and sometimes, sometimes when I'm doing this, I'm like, I know not everyone is a singer. I know there's some off singers out there, but when we're all singing together, yeah. we just... It's it's one accord. It's it's, unity. It's something I think a lot of times worship leaders forget, and that is that people get a breakthrough the moment that they personalize the lyrics. They have to personalize the lyric. In that moment, it's not just the tune. I I know this song. They have to make it personal between them and God in that moment. Consecrational. It has to be... Perfect example, a couple Sundays ago, it was a tough service. I mean, not that we thought the songs that we thought were going to be breakthrough were like, yeah, yours is kind of, it was good. It was okay. Anybody would probably think this is awesome, maybe, because um, it was high energy, it was mm-hmm. quality. Um, but we didn't have, a, we hadn't had a breakthrough moment. I was like, well, when's going to come? Sometimes I'll go to the first song, middle song, maybe, maybe it's the preaching this time, maybe it's the altar. Yeah. But if, if we get to the very end, it still has to happen. Guess what? We're not going home yeah. because we're going to get there. Um, but it hadn't happened. And there's the set list was like, the two choir songs were right through everything else we had done. First choir song was We Lift Our Hands in the Sanctuary. Never had a breakout with it. We could have them. Yeah. And the second song it's was um, Todd Delaney's Psalm 3. Um, uh-huh. uh, strong Tower is the, it's a strong tower. It's mm-hmm. a strong tower. And so we all the way through, it was going really good at the very end. We're saying, He's a solid rock, and I will dwell in your house. And, you know, I'm directing this guy's anointed worship leader. Again, another one that's been here since he's kindergartner grew up here um we're thinking about the times we're living in and how what a blessing it is to be in the house of the lord and i was just thinking about him growing up and i want my kids to stay in the house of the lord and he's a solid rock everything else is shifting sand but i know and i started thinking about these things i started getting overwhelmed and hardly even direct and then other people i could tell they were like yeah he's a solid rock he's our foundation i will dwell in the house i will and people were saying i will dwell and it wasn't just a song it was a proclamation from them personally mm-hmm. and one by one to their knees walking yeah. down the service was over i mean people we were laid out yeah, we um, it's because i think we just crossed over into understanding it became an individual yeah. message and more than just a choir it became personal and it leveled us and those moments are incumbent upon the worship leader or pastor or whoever to, um, to reach for those moments and to help create them. Yeah. Wow. No, that's, that's beautiful. It's amazing. I think you guys have said so much. I, I think we can just continue going. <laughs> we can just so deep into, you know, into this and we didn't even touch on. I do want to say, yes. we didn't even touch on what? Oh, no, I was going to say like, just like worship, like in the home or personally, like yeah. outside. Well, yes. Yeah. Um, anointing isn't cheap. It comes from consecration. Yeah. And if you look at the, the Levites, the first time they tried to bring the, um, or, or David, when they tried to bring the ark back and Uzzah died and all that boo, mm-hmm. um, they did it wrong. They didn't do it God's way. But it's only supposed to be carried by the Levites. And when they finally got it right, it says, the Le- and it was supposed to be carried. It wasn't supposed to be convenient. It was supposed to be carried on their shoulders to the people. So they had to consecrate themselves first yeah. before they were able to bear the burden to bring in the glory of the Lord. So that consecration has to happen before you can carry the glory of the Lord 
into the congregation. And consecration is elimination. You know, take that away, eliminate this, it's separation. And that happens personally. Yeah. And private worship and, and corporate worship, both essential, but they affect each other. There's yeah. no private worship, your corporate worship is going to reveal that it's going to stink. Yeah, very shallow. Think about if you have a little fire burning over here, you got one over here, you got how many is in my choir? 80 little fires building over here. And, or you got a bunch of dead wood, you get a whole bunch of dead wood together. You, what do you got? A whole bunch of dead wood. You get a bunch of little fires together. What do you got? Yeah. An inferno. But we're all coming together. Dead wood, soon the first hour and a half of church. Yeah, trying to, yeah. Trying to start that fire that you should have brought yeah. to the service from your home, from your personal consecration, from your prayer time. But we're so busy praying the leaders through every single service yeah, that good. we can't because other people don't know how to start a fire they're coming in off the street we've been having, we've had 69 people get the holy ghost in the last five weeks um people from randomly literally off the street they don't know how to start a fire yeah. they, they're coming in to feel the fire that it is our job to provide right. that's yeah. literally our purpose yeah. Yeah. and send the fire send the fire we need more fire no there's not a shortage of fire there's a shortage of stuff to burn yeah. there's not sacrifices what the fire is going to come. Yeah. He'll consume whatever we offer up. Yeah. Every, no fire in heaven. Yeah, all fire and worship. Actually, in the tabernacle plan, everything started with a brazen altar where death took place. And I think yeah, more of you is like more of you. Yeah, yeah. It starts. Yeah, it's actually it's yeah, less of us. Room. Less of us. Well, he wants more of us. Yeah, yeah. Which means less for me, more for him. Yeah. So we there has to be a. <laughs> There has to be a dying. In the old question. songs, don't abandon the old songs. You oh, want to talk no, about right. it? I just want to say it, but go the ahead. Hymns. No, I, I love hymns. But do them well. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Last question. Um, you guys have had a choir for how long? Well, for 20 years, mm. because when we were in mm. Barling, someone's youth room, had no air conditioner, I had 12 people that I was able to get up there, and we sang to a soundtrack, Shout to the Lord. We were to have a choir. Yeah. It was probably just really an ensemble. <laughs> I called it a choir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking that vision that thinking. That vision exactly. Mindset, Always yes. think. And we're never a small church. We're a growing church. Mm -hmm. We're just a small music department. No, you're a growing music yeah. department. I made a schedule for places for people I didn't even have because mm -hmm. I expected God to fill that. We're going to grow to that. Why? that. We're making a schedule. It's the same three people every week. Why are you making a schedule? Because we're going to need one. Yeah. You know. It may won't be you every week, you know, six months from now, or a year from now. When I have a bass player, why is there a bass player listed? Because I'm making room. I'm building a spot. Think in steps. Always think in steps. Bigger than you are. Can yeah. we operate like this just haphazardly when we're double this? No, so let's start acting double now. Yeah. Get organized, get planned, get your communication. You know, we have group me where we talk, we exchange ideas. We have yeah. a collaborative culture. It's not my way or the highway. I want to hear what they think and they make it better. You know, our arrangements, we talk about it. Yeah. Sometimes it's annoying if that's not your leadership style, um, but it worked. Everybody has buy in to the process. Yeah. You know, I take song submissions from people, all that kind of stuff. But direction, direction matters just as much as accomplishment. Yeah. And, and recruitment, too. Yeah, Invite yeah. people. Well, I'm just saying, you know, direction matters as much. If, if I were to take two pieces of paper and lay them out on the floor and say, I want you to come stand on this piece of paper and make it to that one without touching the floor in between, it would be impossible. Yeah. But if I place some more in between, then it becomes an easy process. And But still, you have to know where you're going yeah. in order to, to know where to put to the put paper. Those, yeah. Exactly. I think a lot of times we are so reactive in, in our planning of church services and developing ministries that we're not thinking, what do I eventually want to do? 
I would encourage any worship leader, any pastor, anyone that's service leader, think about where you're going. You know, what, what do you want the church to be? What do you want the music program to be? Have you written it down? Have you established that? And then what steps can you afford to take right now? What steps are you equipped and have the personnel to take right now to move you in that direction? And like she was saying, it might just be creating a set list. It might be uh, starting a, you know, a preteen class with worship or something that, you know, they're playing instruments. But, but start something that moves you in that direction, even if you're not capable of making it to that point. Yeah. You answered my question because my next question was going to be how, how do we, if we wanted to create it, almost like revives. I feel like there's some churches that still have choirs, but not, I feel like choirs used to be so much more yeah. disappearing. Choirs are so important, even if they're small. I think, yeah. oh, I thought, okay, okay, we were always, you know, and yeah. we go through seasons where it the numbers drop and they go up, but it's a, really a great place to build community yes. and unity. Um, it's, I think we just have to, just start, you know, you'd be surprised, even if it's once a month. And don't, if it's if it's a busy church or whatever, don't go in seasons. Like, well, yeah. I, I let the choir have, I think, six weeks off in, recently, which is, like, super weird. Um, but, and then you bring the choir back, and it's exciting, yeah. and you're recruiting, and yeah. um, it's 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 more exciting, and you invite people. And I, I invite men. Men leading in worship is so powerful, especially just in the choir. What an example to the families. Or people come in to visit your church and they look up there and they see there's room for me here. Yeah. I may not want to be a friend on senior, but I think I can see myself yeah. in one of those rows. Yeah. You know, and even first time guests, like, how do you be in the choir? I'm glad you asked. Uh, you know, and I don't yeah. they could look like, you know, who knows what yeah. their level of standard is or whatever yeah. you call it. Yeah. But we're we welcome that. We we bear it front with our expectations. We have covenants. That yeah, have to, that's what I was going to add in about. They have to agree to to be in that. Ministry. So people that are listening that are apostolic, we're a little bit different. Let's admit it. We don't just take people off the street and throw them right. up on the platform. And that's a big concern for a lot of pastors. Is I don't want to use new people because obviously they don't they haven't bought into everything we believe. Now there's a couple of core things that we ask. We ask that they're tithers. We ask that they have experienced new birth, you know, uh, and, and faithful to church and, and uh, abstain from gossip. Those are our core requirements for, for membership. But then these ministry covenants are, are you know, it's, it's a way of developing your your team and, and sort of keeping control because a lot of pastors worry about this because they feel like well man if i put people on the platform that are brand new i'm going to lose control the church is going to be yeah. drift off into you know whatever uh false doctrine ministry covenants keep you from doing that and the way that you do that it, pastors obviously have to be involved and they have to establish what the core things are the core things are that they expect from people on the platform and just set it out there without any explanation and require that people sign it. It's behavioral, not revelational. So basically, when people, if they agree to do this, I don't care if they understand why. My daughter worked for Chick-fil-A. She had to wear this horrible polyester top and these ugly shoes and this yeah. visor. She worked there for like a week. But she knew if I'm going to do this job, this is what I need there was to a wear. I have to right. comply yeah. with this um, standard of dress or conduct. If you, if you were to ask the average person in a Pentecostal apostolic church, and, and we're a very conservative church, and, mm -hmm. and 
but we also have a lot of new people. We have a, and we wanted to establish an on-ramp. It's all about the town, find your ministry. And so um, the only way to do that is to write out the things that matter and ask people to, if, you know, to, to agree to it. Um, the average person in Pentecostal church could not tell you why they do a lot of the things they do, but they have a willing spirit. They're willing to do it and they know it's important. We're expecting something of brand new people that we don't expect of our established people. And so um, what I encourage people to do, we're really, really big on ministry covenants. Every ministry, every department has to have ministry covenants. All those towels, they they get interested in in ministry. Yes, they are handed an established list of requirements that they have to follow. Now, in it's order like a contract, to, it's a, it's, yeah, between them and God, we pray over it. It's kind of a spiritual thing, but we remove anything on there that's not enforceable. If, I, for example, there are so many job descriptions I've seen with churches, when they present them, they'll say, you know, how do how do mine look? And in inevitably, they, they have inevitably. yes, they have uh, must uh, maintain the fruit of the spirit. And, I, and I'll ask them, well, how many people have you kicked out of choir because they weren't meek? Uh-huh. Yes. It's not measurable. It's not yeah. measurable. You, it, it sounds good. Get rid of that. Because eventually, I think it's research says that if you give people um, uh, one to two things to do, one to two tasks, they'll do both of them. If you give them uh, five tasks, they'll do two of them. If you give them uh, ten tasks, they'll do none. So everything everything becomes white noise. Everything becomes white noise if if everything is equally as important, then nothing is is important. So narrowing, having pastors sit down and say, okay, I'm willing. I'll let this. I'll let this happen. I'll let this happen. Uh, you know, for some of our ministries in the church, such as choir, it's basically you look like an apostolic when you're on our campus at all times. Because the choir is the, the praise team. Not the praise team, but the choir. Uh, and it's great because new people that want to get on, on board, get involved in ministry, it gives them a very quick on-ramp. Like, this is what I've got to do. You got it. I can do be that. like just up front. So do you have, I take my earrings off? Yes, ma'am. You got to take your earrings off. You have got your dresses. I need you to go buy some. We're a holiness church. And when you're on the property, you know, you, these are the yeah. expectations. We don't try and to sit down and teach them a Bible study on it will. at that moment. Yeah. You know, we're going to have a series every year. We're going to, you know, there are going to be another Bible studies. But for no. this, it's just black and white. This is the rule. Here you go. <laughs> and then what I would say is if they go through those things and they, oh, man, I, you know. Number eight is that is that a big is that a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal. I'm sorry. Well, but good news, we'll find you if you don't want to do this ministry, we'll find you another ministry. We don't scratch off anything for anybody. This is established. Yeah, you can't try to keep it consistent. But but just be very, uh, you know, casual about the presentation, and people jump on board. Just give it up. It's a discipling tool. Yeah, and it's like if they'll come and say, you know, but why? Let's work now with my praise team. Um, they do a covenant. We have a, a meeting every year. This is like the longest interview in the world. You have to edit the mess out of it. So we were uh, we, every year. Everybody's is pretty much not fired, but their contract is null, and they have to re up. And so they take that as a moment to think. Okay, look at the season in my life. Am I looking crazy over time? Yeah, like am I having self, a baby? Like a yeah, it's like, where am I in my life? It's not like the end of my life. I'm in this ministry, but right. let's stop and re reevaluate. Yeah. And so we have a um, orientation annual meeting where we recommit. 
and we look at everything again. Sometimes I have to add new things. Social media used to not be on my, on my thing. There's all kinds of stuff that we have to add. Um, but once they they sign that, or resign or don't sign, um, it's also awesome time for recruitment mm -hmm. to come, and we can talk about auditions later if we ever do this again, because <laughs> that's become a new part of my process, which yeah. took me years. Explain to social media, why to social media would be on. What, um, what, how because does that... when you're on, on the pricing, you're a, a, a billboard, you're, you're marketing yeah. for our church all the time. And you give, if they see you one way, you know, on the beach, whatever, and then you come to church, you can't see that. You know, right. it's like, it, it's, it's, it devalues, they lose their credibility. Mm -hmm. And so leadership has veto power over anybody on the. So you are, you have to friend me or let me like your pages, your TikToks, whatever. And I, you, you signed up for this, yeah. and I'm not going to get in your business uninvited without permission. Mm -hmm. But I will gently, in a loving way, be like, Hey, I don't know if you know it, but you know, the music in the back of this little cooking video has yeah. some bad language, or you know, but that it, outfit is just not. And I know, love that accountability. They have, the, they have to be accountable. Yeah. Or practical things that matter, because that's what most pastors are dealing with, those kind of issues. Yeah. And as long as you have that spelled out in your ministry covenants, it's easy and to deal with. Punish? Like, we, someone, okay, if I show, someone shows up one day and uh, their hair's trimmed, uh, and I'll be like, ah, okay, you know, it's, I can embarrass them, but I got to deal. That's a, yeah. that's a confrontation. Yes. And, but I'm not mad at them. That's a, a leaf. There's a root there. There's an understanding that's not there that I thought was there. So I'm going to, you know, take a break. Let's sit down and have a Bible study about this and let's grow until you're ready. You know, you're a little bit ahead of yourself on this commitment or you've lost your convict, whatever, it has to be a conviction, it's an obedience issue, but let's, you know, not, I'm going to sit you down for six months because you know better than yeah. that. It's, hey, what's, yeah, what's really going yeah, on? because there's something behind Yes, yeah. and a lot you of know. times it's marital problems, it's a mission issue, and they're just, you know, and they're acting out in a certain way, but I, Family I'm not just a worship leader, I'm more worried about their soul, wow. what's going on here, um, yeah. to make sure we all look good. Yeah. Don't want anybody calling us a hypocrite. What about her? Yeah. What's happening with her? So that it's not a personal insult to you as a leader when something when that kind of stuff happens. Mm -hmm. It can be a, a moment a, of teaching. You know, it's SOS. It's a right. yeah. you know what's going on. And maybe they they never do fully get it and they're not ready ever again. Sometimes you sit in town, they fix it, and they're right back and they're stronger and they're more confident in their in their belief and they can defend it now before you know whatever. So there's things like that. That's our, our approach to it. That's why I spend that stuff. That's great. That's so awesome. Well, I don't want to take any of you this time. That's all right. My daughter's blowing up my phone. I'm so, so sorry, but thank you so you much. You can tell we're very passionate oh, about yeah. it, no, and it. I'm yeah. sorry if we've gone on and on. And I no, feel I, like we have not exhausted the subject by a long time. No, because even you talking about marriage, I was like, we can go to a whole yeah. thing about marriage yeah. and ministry or just yeah. the music yes. ministry. You know, there's there's a lot there. So, but hopefully, if I make my way down to Texas, I'll give you guys a call. We would love to sit down. Love to. Thank you so much, sir. Absolutely, anytime, anytime. We're honored to be. Texas come to Zion. Yes. Yeah. And share this. September thirtieth, October first and second this year, and we don't have that date for next year. But the night services are free if you don't want to come as a registrant. But we encourage even as young as ten, if they're interested in music, start. Building that culture and that interest young. And we have 10 year olds running our cameras, our lyrics, so singing. Cool. I mean, we just want it to because the world's pulling at their talent and we want to provide a safe place. Yeah. And any church of any size can do that. They're all our kids are down front worshiping. 
and our worship services. It looks like a big jungle gym. Half of them don't know what's happening. Yeah. They're catch. They're going to catch oh, it. Yeah. It's going to become that's the norm. And before you know it, they'll be falling out in groups praying like, "Hey, they they yeah. tapped in." Yeah. You know, yeah. but they wouldn't. They're in the back row on their iPad. Yeah. You know, this is what we do. This is time to worship. Yeah. And you build that culture, not just there, but like you said, in the home. And um, the answer. Yes. Yeah. So come design. That's all yes. your <laughs> And share this podcast. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. Worship. I didn't even tell you our name is Worship Mindset. Oh, worship wonderful. Mindset. Yeah, wonderful. that's the name of the wow, podcast. Wow, that awesome. is a that's a whole thing right there. You could unpack. Oh yeah. It is mindset big time. Yeah. That yeah. you got to manage your own mind first. Definitely. Definitely. But again, thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Hello, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast with Pastor and Sister McKee. Go ahead and leave a comment down below on what were some of the things that you enjoyed hearing them speak about, maybe some of the stuff that stood out to you. If you want to see the last podcast that I had with Eddie Jane, go ahead and click here. Please don't forget to subscribe, like this video, and we'll see you guys on the next one. God bless.